and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Guys, we find ourselves in week two of a series titled, We Are Better Together. We Are Better Together. And uh, as you look at the scriptures, uh, you see there's this common theme of unity in the Gospels, but also in Paul's letters, it's everywhere, everywhere we look. And, and so we just want to take some time over the next few weeks to communicate how important unity is to the body of believers, especially in a culture that becomes more and more fractured by the day. The scriptures continuously reveal that the Lord deeply desires Jesus followers to be united in thought and purpose, right? So here's what I really want to emphasize today. If you, if you get nothing else, This is it. This is the message summed up. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The unity of believers, the unity of believers should be the most attractive and most productive quality of the church. At least one of them. The unity should be one of the most attractive and most productive qualities that we see in the church. And Jesus, we talked about this last week, but as Jesus sits down and has his last discourse with his disciples, as he's preparing his disciples for when he's literally going to depart from earth and ascend back to the Father, this is one of the last things that he prays while they're gathered at the table together. He says this in John 17, verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Anybody believe in the gospel in this room? Come on, what an encouraging thought to think that Jesus has prayed for me and he's prayed for you, right? That's literally what we see happening right here. Jesus is praying for us, for those who believe. And this is what he prays. I pray that they will all be one. Come on, everybody say one. This is what Jesus prays in his, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, he's talking to the Father. Father, just as you and I are one, I pray that they would all be one. You are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You see, what we find out is that our unity is actually carrying a message. Our, 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 our unity is communicating to the world around us. He continues on in verse 22. He says, I've given them the glory you gave me so they they may be one as we are one. I in them and you are in me. And then he says this again. May they experience such perfect unity that the world, the whole world, will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Our unity is telling a story to the world. So church, we got to figure this out. We got to figure this out. Because our unity should be one of the most attractive and most productive things in in this body. Come on, can we pray and then we'll jump into this word. Jesus, we love you. Uh, We are so grateful to be in your house. And I just pray right now that you would till the soil of our heart. Soften it, fertilize it, till it to receive the seed of your truth, the seed of your word. Let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. God, we don't want to just hear your word. We want to live it out. We don't want to just hear your word and deceive ourselves. We want to do it. So I pray that we, we would not only hear this word, but we would apply it and transformation would break out in everybody's lives in this room. And God, you know, I pray this every week in Marshfield. I'm going to pray it in rep too. I pray that this church would foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for my whole life, um, for as long as I can remember, I've been nosy in nature. Can I be honest up here? Nobody else is nosy? Man, I grew up with three sisters, and the amount of diary pages I've read probably makes up the Old Testament. You know what I'm saying? 
like as a kid, I remember looking for keys and drawers and, and all of that. I've been nosy for as long as I can remember. Got one of my sisters in the room laughing over here. She knows it's true. I wish I never read some of that stuff. Uh, I'm just, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. You know, honestly, and I'm going to justify it in a spiritual way. Sometimes I think that nosiness is what makes my counseling of others effective because sometimes I'm just willing to ask questions no one else is because I care, right? <laughs> so, he, so this nosy trait, you know, I still wrestle with it sometimes. The Lord's still sanctifying that part of me. We pull up in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru a couple months ago. And I pull up to this, to this Chick-fil-A drive-thru and right as I'm pulling up, um, there's an exchange. Two of the Chick-fil-A workers have an exchange and the one getting ready to take our order, I see a quick like, I'm like, Wait a minute. That looked like she was irritated. Now, you know, if you've ever been to Chick-fil-A, it's almost like these, you know, these employees are like wind-up toys that just constantly have like, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my... Like that's just constantly playing in their head and in their hearts as they serve you. And then you drive up, my pleasure. They say it on rhythm and everything, you know? Um, so I was in awe when I saw a little bit of the humanity of the Chick-fil-A worker. I'm like, wow, I've never, never witnessed this. To be fair, we were on the north side of Springfield, so. So I, I, I pull up, and uh, I don't even really know why, but I just asked her. I got, you know, I got a one-year-old and a two-year-old in the back. My wife next to me, I said, is she annoying you? I just asked her that. Because it, it didn't look like it was like her manager or anything, so I just asked her, is, is she annoying you? And she just smiles. Uh, she just smiles, and she just goes, what can I get for you today? <laughs> so I thought, you know, very clearly she didn't hear me. She, she didn't hear what I asked. <laughs> so she goes, look, can I get for you today? I look at her. I smile. I said, did you hear me? <laughs> she goes, I, I think part of me just wanted to see, can I like break through the Chick-fil-A, you know, what it, wall of pleasureness, whatever. <laughs> I go, did you, did you hear me? She goes, yes. What can I get for you today? <laughs> Isn't that so good? Come on and leave it to Chick-fil-A to preach to me in the drive-thru, amen? This is what it looks like to be united in thought and purpose. Because even though she was frustrated, even though maybe she was annoyed, they were united in thought and purpose. And she understood there's a culture here that I got to protect. I, I know that, that this is our unity is screaming something to the people that come through these drive throughs right? And Jesus himself prayed for the body to develop a culture that was so unified that people would look and say, there has to be divine intervention in that. Because that unity doesn't look like the world. That unity doesn't make sense. Jesus literally prayed, Father, will their unity communicate your love and your goodness? That's what Jesus prayed. Wow. May they experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, let their unity be so loud that it carries the gospel message without words. Wow. May the unity that the world know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And this is why in the beginning when I said our unity should be one of the most attractive characteristics of the church, 
That's why I said that, right? In, in a world where, come on, we, we get out in the world, we get out in the office spaces, we get out in the cities, and, and prestige is a thing. Prestige gets you a spot at the table in the world. Come on, how much money you have will get you in certain rooms and to certain events, certain seats in a stadium. How successful you are matters. It's important. Gives us value in the world. It gives us a, a seat at the table. Your title is important and people value it. But what should be one of the most compelling parts of the church is that no matter where you are, where you come from, what you have, what you don't have, doesn't determine your ability to be a part of this body. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. The church needs to be a place where we collectively recognize, hey, you're broken. I'm broken. I need the same grace you need. Come on, welcome to the family, baby. We all got a seat at the table because of one man, one cross, one life. Amen. So I don't care if you're black, if you're white, if you're rich, you're poor, you're old, you're young, educated, dropout, amen, come on, uh, convict, clear record, you know, if, if you're in a wayward season or the best season of your life, this good news that Jesus saves is for everybody. Come on, our unity, people, doesn't matter what season of life you're in, you walk into these doors and it's like, I've never belonged like I belonged here before. Come on, I, I don't know what that is. And the world looks in and say, whoa, whoa, you got them sitting next to each other. You got them hanging out on the, those two are in the same life group. Yeah, come on, this is the unity of the body. Come on, this is, there's one thing that's knit us all together. Let me tell you about Jesus. Amen? This good news that Jesus saves is for everybody. There's no hierarchy here. There's no statuses, right? This is, this is one man has gotten you a seat at the table and you belong. And maybe the world's accepted you or rejected you, but this body is going to love you well regardless. And it doesn't matter where you're coming from. You walk in here, you're going to be loved well. And just as, and now keep in mind, that, that doesn't mean that we don't correct each other in love. Come on, y'all heard me talk about a, you know, punch and a hug grace and truth. Jesus said the tough things because that's what love looks like. Sometimes love is saying, hey, don't walk off that cliff. That'll hurt. <laughs> right? So, but just as often as we, as we rebuke, as we correct, as we challenge one another, we need to encourage one another. Amen. Sharpen one each other. We need to help each other follow Jesus well. So when the world beats you up, church should be a, a hospital where you come and you get well. You come and you get well. Our unity is, is so powerful, it should be so powerful that the world on the outside is looking in saying, I'm, I've never witnessed anything like that. I've never seen anything like that. So here's my first point. Again, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our unity is one of our greatest witnesses to the unbeliever. It is. Our unity is one of our greatest witnesses to the unbeliever. Now, I'd like to spend the rest of our time in a passage out of Acts 4. So if you got your Bibles, you can, you can turn with me. Um, but I want to give you a little context setting up where we're at in Acts chapter 4, what's just happened. Um, we have Peter and John. They've just healed the lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. And people cannot believe that this man has been healed. They've watched him and walked by him day after day. And, and they give all glory to Jesus. And they say, it wasn't, by, it wasn't my ability, it was Jesus, right? It was Jesus. And they're spreading the message of the good news that Jesus saves. He doesn't only fix bodies. Come on, he fixes hearts. Amen. This is, it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And they actually get arrested. 
And then the authorities, they communicate to them, hey, we want you to stop spreading this message about Jesus. We want you to stop telling people about Jesus. And uh, they say, you know, I, I love their boldness. It says that they saw their boldness and, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They were taken back by their boldness. And Father, I pray you'd give the church that same boldness, amen. But they say, come on, we can't obey men rather than God. We're, we're living to please the Lord. So that's some of the context leading into this verse that I'm gonna share here. Um, Acts 4, verse 23, it says this. As soon as they were freed, so they get let go, told not to talk about Jesus. What's the first thing they do? Get with their church and start talking about Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Acts 4, verse 23, it says this. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all, say all. Come on, unity. That's what we're talking about, all. All of them, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And this is what they said. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, David, your servant saying, why were nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with feudal plants? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. And what, what they're saying is, is they're reflecting on Jesus being killed and crucified. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. Everybody came against him to put him to death. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and bring us right to heaven so we don't have to deal with the conflict that this earth is gonna present. Is that what they pray? No, what do they do? Don't take us out of the storm. Give us the strength to endure it. Come on, what a prayer. Oh Lord, hear their threats and give your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is what they're praying, collectively praying, united in thought and purpose, fixing their eyes on Jesus, asking, asking for a need to be met. We need boldness, Lord. Give us what we need to carry this gospel message because we, we believe it's the greatest hope on earth. Give us boldness. And check this out, verse 31. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. Come on, you can't tell me that God doesn't respond in a powerful way when the church is united, when the church comes together and prays, when the church collectively gets their eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, before I go to verse 32, because I, I want to read that too. Uh, again, we see this. We see this common theme throughout the scriptures that God moves powerly through the, the unity of the church, through the unity of believers. Check this out, Matthew 18, 19 through 20. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Wow. For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I'm there among them. Church, we got to understand when we come together, when we're, when we're unified, the presence of the Lord dwells within it. The presence of the Lord moves in powerful ways. When the church, this is why we come together and pray every week. This is, this is why we bring our needs to the church and say, God, intervene on our behalf. Do what only you can do. Amen? 
2 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul writes, dear brothers and sisters, he's closing out his letter and he writes this, dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Here's his last words to the church in Corinth. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony, be unified, live in harmony and peace. And then it's as if God responds to their unity. God responds to them being unified knit together in love, then the God of love and peace will be with you. I'm more and more convinced the unity of believers is a vessel through which the power of God loves to display itself. Come on, when the church is united, the power of God is activated. When believers come together united in thought and purpose of one accord and collectively fix their eyes on Jesus, it's fertile ground for the power of God to blossom in our lives. Come on, there's strength in numbers in the kingdom of heaven. And God loves to do powerful things in the body when the body commits itself to being united. But we talked last week. Didn't Pastor Jason bring an awesome word last week? Come on, love you, man. Um, But he talked, it's gonna take effort. It's gonna take effort. It's gonna take humbling ourselves. It's gonna take denying ourselves. But oh man, is it worth it when the church can be united? So write this down, my second thought, second takeaway, if you haven't got it already. Two, God responds powerfully to our unity. He responds powerfully to our unity. And this is why, you know, we, we pray as a nation. This is why we pray over our needs as a church. There's something, in, there's just something incredibly productive about the believers being unified and approaching the Lord. So I want to stay in Acts 4, but I want to move on to verse 32 because it'll lead me into my final point for the day. So after this, the place shakes, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they receive divine boldness from the Lord. And then check this out. All the believers were united in heart and mind. Everyone say united. It's key that we see it, they were united. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. And this is is where I'm talking about Not only should the unity of the church be the most attractive thing, or at least one of the most attractive things of the church, but also if God moves powerfully through our unity, and and if unity causes generosity, causes the needs of the church to be met, not only is it the most attractive thing where people see our unity and, and they actually hear the gospel through our unity, they see the gospel through our unity, but also it's the most productive thing if God moves powerfully through our unity, amen. If all the needs of the church are met when the church is unified, it's gotta be one of the most productive characteristics too. So check this out. What they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. And the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. How many of them? All. There were no needy people among them. Wow. So challenged by that. I'm so so convicted by that. That when the church is unified in a way that it should be, and I'm not just focused on what's good for me, and what my my grind is, and how I got to go get it, and... It's every, in this room, every need could be met. Man, if we would be united in thought and purpose. There were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. This is it. This, this is it for me. Verse 30, all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. Maybe that's part of the key to understand that everything you've been given is a gift. 
and you're a manager, you're a steward. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. And there was no needy people among them. And this is, this is why the church gives financially. This is why, you know, we provide food trains and give people food. And this is why we, we show up to wheel fed on a Tuesday and put food in cards because we don't want to see needy people. We don't want to just be a church that does good things. We, we want to meet a need, right? And when I say the unity of the church should be the most productive, one of the most productive characteristics, um, it's really because our unity should make way for a community where people are without need. We're like, if, if you don't got it, that's okay, because I got it. Or I know somebody who does. If, if you're in need, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll try and find a solution. I cover you, you, you cover me. And the, and the opportunities and the, and the possibilities of how we can cover one another and provide for one another are absolutely endless. Um, there's so many different things that we can do for one another to ensure that the needs of our brother and sisters are met. And, and we just need to get creative sometimes, right? But here's the deal. I'm gonna go on a soapbox for about the next seven minutes here, okay? Because I feel like the Lord's put something in my heart for Destiny Church. I know he's put it in Chad's heart for Destiny Church. And, and something I've been convicted of since I started overseeing the Marshall campus, something the Lord has really challenged me with personally too, is uh, again, I, I don't want to be a church that just does good things. Man, it's, it's great to go do this and it's great to go do that. But what are the needs in our community? How are we meeting the needs because it's good to do good things, but, but I believe that there's something extra significant about meeting needs. So I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I wanna do something significant in the kingdom as a church. And there's been a verse that's been jacking with me. There's been a verse that's been challenging and, and encouraging me, but convicting me. And it's James 1, 27, and it says, pure and true religion is this, to care for the orphans and the widows. Like something that pleases the Lord, the heart of God is, is not to just do good things, it's to meet needs. It's to meet needs. So I've been wrestling with this because I'm a pastor in the Bible Belt where 85% of my church probably grew up in church. You know, when we have new people come to the church, it's not because they just met the Lord for the first time. It's they're coming from another church and they like ours better or whatever. And that's the reality of, of the demographic that we're in. And that's okay. Like, it's okay. Everyone needs Jesus and, and there's, there's lost people everywhere you go. But I was wrestling with this because last time I was here, I, I preached and I shared this. I'm from Rhode Island. And like Providence, Rhode Island was the least biblically minded city in America when I moved away. It's, it's the darkest area. And, and here I am thinking about, I want to do something significant. So like, if I'm just, here's, I'm just being really transparent with you guys. In, in Marshfield, y'all know I love y'all. Like, and we have never been more content in, in any season of ministry. It's been absolutely divine. But in, in January, I'm praying and fasting and praying, God, is, is this it? 
like you're calling for me and, and me being in a, in a small conservative town in the Bible Belt where everyone and their mother loves Jesus already. Is, is, that, is, that what I'm, is that where I'm supposed to be? Is that significant enough? Is that the call of my, is it, is it too safe? Is it too safe? And I'm thinking, I've always wondered, it's so weird that I would just come from Rhode Island to the middle of the Bible Belt where I have no family, no, you know, no anchors here practically. And I always thought, God, maybe, maybe you're going to take me, maybe you're going to bring me out to the Midwest because I need some better, I, I, I need some better Jesus followers around me because I need help. I'm a little bit of a heathen. <laughs> Amen. Come on. You, you got to sanctify some things in me. And maybe you're going to bring me out here, fill me up with light, and then you're going to bring me back into the darkness. And I'm praying, God, is that, is that what it looks like? Am I, am I supposed to go back there where people don't know Jesus? And at this time, we had just kind of started, Abigail and I had just kind of started getting involved with um, foster care a little bit. And I so specifically felt the Lord put in my heart, I'm not filling you with light to go put you into the dark. In fact, you're in the light now and I want you to bring the darkness into it. Here I am, I wanna do something significant. In, in the way that I lead my church, I want the church in, in, in Marshfield, but also Republic. Here it is. It's like bestowed on you now too, because I know it's in Chad's heart. We're in this safe, safe little Bible Belt town. Y'all know Jesus. I get there's lost people, and that's, and that's still, the mission, still the mission, 100%. But I felt like there was this specific calling put on, especially where we're at. If we're gonna bring, if we're gonna bring the light in, we have we have people who have resource, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Like some of us just have extra rooms in our houses. No one's even sitting in. No one's even sleeping in. And there's kids everywhere. Everywhere who have no one to care for them. Mom and dad are checked out. And we wanna say it's the government's job. It's not the government's job, it's the church's job. And if the church would do its job, all these kids would be good. We would be a community without need. And I get there's other ways that every need in the church can be met. And I don't want to say this is the only thing. And I'm not trying to guilt trip you into doing this. But some of us, we need to be doing this. Some of us need to be doing this. There's kids with no one to love them. No one to feed them. No, no one to do anything for them. It's the government's job. We live in a nation that's willing to give you money to help. And the church is still not taking in kids. Why? I don't get it. Like sometimes, and again, if I'm being overly opinionated, I'm sorry if I get yelled at after this, but some, sometimes I feel like the church is more interested in yelling from Facebook, don't vote for so-and-so because they believe in abortion. Well, what if God had something more significant? What if he wanted to bring us in to being part of the solution rather than just a mouthpiece? <laughs> What if God's equipped us to do something more significant? 
And I believe there's people in this body who have financial resource, emotional resource, physical resource. Come on, I know there's people who got empty rooms. To give some kids abandoned by people who are supposed to love them and meet their need a safe place to live and grow and meet Jesus. read this verse in James and it's so clear to me that the church has been called to care for the orphans and the widows and are we doing our job and I just felt so prompted to talk about this this week putting this message together you know we have two of our friends just decided just post it on Facebook they're starting to do it one and one you know, there's like two, Maria, y'all are getting, y'all about to jump into this, right? I want to invite y'all, let's do something significant as a church. Let's do something significant. Because I really believe, I was, I was talking with a guy, I was talking with a guy who I'm close with, and he's like, you know, not super in, into the church thing totally. And we were talking, he went, visited this, visited this big church. We we're talking in the back of a Jeep. And he goes, yeah, I pulled up and I looked at the landscape and I thought, how much are you spending on that landscape right there? See, and we spend so much time trying to make our churches pretty and our music sound good. And the world wants to see a church that's active, doing something significant. And I told them, man, I said, I said, man, I really, you know, we started talking about the foster care thing. I'm like, I'm trying to get as many people as possible in our church to start bringing in kids. He goes, man, see, like that's something I could get behind. And I don't say that boastfully or arrogantly, but, but I, I, I say that to say the world wants to see the church do something significant not just yelling from our Facebook pages and here's the deal y'all maybe you're in here you never consider foster care I never consider foster care <laughs> Abigail comes to me over quarantine and she says uh she says hey I want to get certified to be foster parents I'm like what like just jump into being a dad like I don't get to you know grow grow with this thing and and if you guys don't know, you know, my wife has a brain tumor. Um, so it pushes up against her pituitary gland. Didn't ovulate for like, you know, gosh, just under 10 years. We didn't think we could have kids. And sometimes I think, and this is a message in itself that I'll preach another day, but sometimes I just feel like God in his grace withholds some things to, to force us into step into something we never would have. Because I will never, I never, I, if anything, I'm like, let's get more kids. Let's, let's bring in more kids. That's, that's what it's felt like. And I'm so grateful that God with, withheld something so, so we could step into what we're in now. But, but so we're thinking, you know, let's let, we have this desire. We, we want to nurture. We have empty rooms in this house. We have this house that we own. Let's bring in some kids. Let's do it. And we're like, okay, we bring in a 14 year old uh, that, that didn't end up working out. Now we got a one year old and a two year old that we just absolutely love. Maybe you guys can meet them after if they're, if they're running around. But, but, but before we even jumped into it, I remember Abigail was laying in bed. She was falling asleep. She can fall asleep like standing up on command. I've never seen anything like it. And y'all got a spouse like that? It's like, seriously, you're just falling asleep like in the middle of a conversation? Anyways, I, I told her, you stay in bed. I'm going to go pray. I went, went into my living room to go pray. Uh, this is before because I'm really nervous. I'm really scared to like start bringing in kids. And I've never been a dad before. And I don't know what that consists of. And so I'm sitting on the ground and, and I just, uh, you know, let me just say this bad idea to, to go into the presence of God and say, hey, do you want me to take care of kids? You've got no one to take care of them. 
What do you think he's going to say? Stupidest thing I ever did. Sitting on the floor, Romans 8.15 surfaces in my heart. And I may not say it verbatim, it's on there. But it says you no longer have received it. You you no longer have a spirit that makes you a fearful slave, but you've received a spirit of adoption, so now you call me Abba Father. And I felt like he put in my heart, you've always prayed for people to see Jesus in you. What greater way than to do in the physical what I've done for you in the spiritual? I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying it's not sacrificial. I'm not saying you won't get treated like dirt. We got kids jump out of windows and run away and the cops bring them back. Yeah, that's real. I'm not saying you won't get treated like dirt when it feels like you're laying down your life for this kid and some of y'all got teenagers who are bio and you're like, yeah, amen. You know? But in all those things, above all that, we've done a a good amount of ministry together. To me, it it feels like some of the most significant kingdom work we've ever done. And for something I never thought to do, it's been one of the greatest blessings for us. And, And I just know there's people in this body who are missing out on that. And I want to encourage you. I want to lovingly nudge you. I'm not judging you if you don't decide to do it. That's totally fine. But I'm just saying, maybe there's three people in here who you're supposed to. And if that's you, I got a sign-up sheet in the lobby after this. (laughs) My wife will be there. Hey, James says, don't just hear the word, do the word. So I'd be foolish to come in here and say, we got to bring in kids, not give you some sort of avenue to get involved. Worship team, you guys can come. So I, I want to provide y'all an opportunity to uh, sign up. And then we're going to have a training here November 29th. If you got your calendars, we're going to have a training here at the Repmo campus. Through all this together, because I knew I was preaching. I said, oh, yeah, we're just going to come slap this all over. You watching online? November 29th. Be here. Seriously, you guys are interested in getting involved. Just want more information. Um, man, let's do something significant as a church. Amen? Third point, final, final point, and then I'll we'll get into worship here is when the church is united, everyone's needs are met. When the church is united, everyone's needs are met. Come on, would you stand with me? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.